Welcome to the Future Church Podcast with Anthony Delaney. If this podcast helps you, forward it to others, give us a review and subscribe today. For additional thoughts and resources, visit anthonydelaney.com. Well, welcome to the Future Church Podcast. I am so excited to be able to be with my friend Josh Howard um, in India. And um, again, we thank God for the amazing gift of technology that enables us to be able to do this. We've been um, adapting, we've been moving, but I think in some ways, you know, the church was ahead of the game on some of this stuff because I know that when everybody was sort of discovering Zoom for the first time, um, some of us had already been using some of this technology and been able to um, benefit from it before um, you know, suddenly the world caught up with something that, that was already happening. And I see that as being part of our heritage, part of what we're meant to be doing in these days. So, um, I'm, you know, I, I've just been, we had a quick pre-chat and I first met Josh uh, years ago in Kenya. I don't know if you remember what year that was, Josh, but it was... I think it was uh, 2015, if I remember right. Cool. And uh, then that was a new thing, collaborative um, venture where we we put some goals in place in prayer. We were convened by uh, Bishop Oscar Murray there in Kenya and uh, Dave Ferguson and others, Patrick O'Connell from New Thing and some other great people. We had such fun, but at the same time, we set big goals for how could New Thing be part of what God was going to do in the future in the different areas. And that was where I first met Josh and we just hit it off and have been great friends ever since. And it's just always a privilege um, to connect with you, my friend. Why don't you just tell anybody who doesn't know uh, something about you and where you are and what your situation is and just catch us up on, on that. That'd be cool. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, it's an honor to be on here. Uh, Anthony, thanks for inviting me on again. Um, yeah, like you said, man, I've, I have, you, the friendship that we've had over the years has just been such a blessing, man. Um, I, I love you to death, love what you're doing, love your heart and ministry. And I always feel like we are able to create so much synergy together in what we do. And so just super, super excited, man, to be on here. Um, yeah, I mean, things have been, uh, things have been incredible in India, uh, in spite of the pandemic, in spite of everything going on. I mean, last year in, in 2021, we saw our best year ever in ministry. Um, I mean, just God just did things that we, every goal we set, he just blew that out of the water. You know, like (laughs) he was almost, you know, it's like those old adages, you know, when we, when we make plans, God laughs, you know, those, those types of things. And, and, uh, God is just moving in radical, incredible ways Mm. all over the world right now. We're seeing incredible multiplication. We're seeing incredible fruit. Um, last year alone, uh, we saw our, our team and our network in South Asia, Mm. we saw 5,118 churches started last year and just in 21, which again, like yeah. That was not, we weren't expecting that. It's no. not like we set out this strategy and plan and said, we're going to hit 5,000 in a year. It was nothing like that. Mm. God just moved in radical, incredible ways to see just great multiplication happen. And, uh, you know, it's, it's amazing to see what he's doing in the global church right now. I mean, it's, Amen. it's really outstanding. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited, um, you know, to hear that. And then to think in 2015, one of the things that they uh, encouraged us with a big E and a big kick was to kind of, you know, in faith, have some numbers and to say, you know, what could be, uh, you know, in the years ahead, maybe five years from now. And uh, how could we do that? And, and uh, I think with those things, it's good to make plans, but in many ways it's, it's better to prepare and, and really, I think what we did, I was kind of pushed into some numbers and said, you know, maybe we could help to start 250 churches. And then they said, no, go away and pray harder. And I came back and it was like, maybe <laughs> we could help 500 churches get planted in uh, across Western Europe. Now, if I was counting them as coming out of Ivy, that didn't happen. But when I started to think of... Um, the leaders that have been encouraged and connected with the things that, you know, the hundreds and hundreds of people that have come to launch and then gone from that to go and start new churches, new networks, etc. Some of these things are hard to quantify, 
you know, effectively, in, maybe in our situation, that's slightly different. And that, that's not, I don't see that as letting myself off the hook. I think sometimes we we just say, Lord, I'm, you know, I, I'll, I'm willing to dream big. I'm willing to put some yeah. numbers on. And then, you know, I wouldn't be surprised, you know, if we went and kind of at some point you get to heaven and all the glory goes to God anyway for it. But you sort of see that you were, you know, in your small way, part of pushing, you know, you're not to domino over that, it's gone crazy. And that's how multiplication really happens is, is when, you know, there's the uncountable as well. Um, yeah. So yeah, I'm seeing some of that and, uh, and, you know, excited that you're going to be with us at launch again this year. We are excited to be talking about, uh, we're going to launch replant. We're going to call it how the post pandemic church can be rebuilt, revived and reproduced. And uh, it's going to be again back at the Edge in Wigan in Manchester, Greater Manchester, Monday the 3rd and Tuesday the 4th of October 2022. And this may be, for those who are now watching and listening, the very first that you've got to hear about launch. Um, but I know you've been with us before launch, so rather than, uh, Josh, so rather than me kind of tell other people about it, what's your experience been as you've been, you know, coming over to launch, you've been part of it and uh, had some input before, what, you know, why, yeah. if, if I could ask you to invite others, what would you say would be, uh, you know, uh, yeah. some good reasons for that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it is honestly um, one of the best conferences I've ever been to in the world. And I mean that, like, I, I absolutely loved every moment of the conference that I was at with you guys, the quality of speakers that you guys bring in the atmosphere that you create of, of worship and listening to the spirit of God. Um, you know, people being able to connect with one another and dream big dreams about church plant application and movement and, and things that, Honestly, a lot of conferences don't really hit on that much. You know, we're we're talking about, you know, when when uh, you know, I don't know what your heart was when you first created it, Anthony, but the year that I was there, you know, it it really so many people were talking about how do we not only plant one church or how do we start one other campus or anything like that, but mm. people were dreaming based upon the conversations that we were having at launch. How can we create movements of church plants? How can we create movements of disciple making? How can we see multiplication take shape all across the world? And, and what does it look like to dream God-sized dreams like that? Mm. And so I think I think taking a couple days away with uh, you know, with your church team in order to get away from your normal everyday, you know, lives, um, get, get someplace where you can really focus on Jesus. You can focus on what he's dreaming, what he's thinking, what his heart is for the church and to be able to hear, hear from, you know, world-class leaders that are coming in in order to talk about this stuff, uh, is priceless, man. It's so, so good. And so what you've brought together, man, and what your team has brought together mm. has been, I mean, it's been life-changing. I've, I've had people reach out to me, Anthony, after that I was there in 2019 mm. and I've had people reach out to me and just say how that conference, uh, you know, pivoted the direction of their lives. Yeah. They changed strategy, they changed dreams, they changed what they were going to do with their lives. I mean, God mm. has moved in that, you know, in that conference in some huge ways. And so, uh, yeah, I would highly recommend people taking a couple of days out and and really coming out and hanging out with us. Superb. Thank you, my friend. So again, for anybody listening, that's Monday the 3rd, Tuesday the 4th of October 2022 here in Manchester. Everybody's welcome. Um, we're going to be opening up the booking. And you know, obviously with these things, the best, best, cheapest deal is always going to be um early and uh, booking early so do look out for that and we're already uh, inviting people to come and, and bring input into that main stage and seminars and I'm excited already at who's saying yes to that to join us and, and this year the 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 scripture i always have a um like i do some i kind of bring a bible teaching thing that runs through it of a theme and you know at different times it's been like you know for instance how the church in antioch got birthed or you know some these different kinds of things well this year is is psalm one the lord's really spoken to me from psalm one over and over since the beginning of the year and um, and actually, just the other day, just before our annual general meeting here at Ivy, uh, somebody came to the door. It was my birthday, and they'd left in my porch a, a fruit tree, an apple tree, and said, "The Lord, you know, said to give you this." And and uh, and as as I've looked and wrestled with that, what I've realised is, you know, 
yeah, fruit takes time. There's all kinds of you know pictures we've got in scripture from time, but really what I'm looking at is the culture, the, the in the sense of what are we planting into, and how do we plant in such a way that that what we're planting is is worth reproducing, because you know we don't want five thousand one hundred odd churches that we multiply that are not that aren't. With, with reproducing it. I remember a previous launch, we had a great guy called Richmond Wandera who came from Uganda. And um, and he was saying, you know, you'll hear about where we are in, in various African nations and you can hear the numbers in terms of the, the churches. He said, but many of them, they're just being discipled off kind of bad Christian TV. Yeah. And the real emphasis is um, I want to be a pastor so I don't really have to work so you all come and give me money. So then my kids and me are looked after and you all do what I say. And then there's like terrible Bible interpretation that's given from, and again, and often the model is repeated, the one guy at the front who's the yeah. answer Bible man, who, who doesn't really even know the Bible that well himself, <laughs> but picks a few right. verses. Yeah. And uh, so I think there's that. I mean, in that sense, and we can talk into that in terms of culture, but I think there's been... And we can come back to this. I think I'm very interested in what's happening in our culture over here in terms of what's the what's happening on the ground, literally in the ground that's being shaken right now, as everywhere is, by the pandemic, now by war in the Ukraine. Um, you know, the, the things that that people used to think they could rely on. The, you know, the promises that the government would look after us and we'd be safe, that the health service would look after us and we'd be safe, that, that everybody, that the young people, if you went to university and worked really hard, you're guaranteed of a good job with a good future or, or multiple jobs. And you can pick and choose and do whatever you want because the world's your oyster because you're the yeah. brightest and the best and everything's like. And a lot of young people in particular kind of realising that, that that isn't true. The, the, the government can't protect me like they said. And the health service didn't stop my grandmother dying. And, you know, the, and and I can't just get a job. And and what about the, you know, how am I going to afford to live? And and, and I can't afford a house. And, and, and so we have a, a whole bunch of people now who are, in many ways, more ready than ever for good news. And I think that's the culture that we're in. That's part of it. I've got other thoughts, too, on the culture. But... Where, where are you at with that, mate, in terms of, you know, because Psalm 1 is saying, you know, blessed is the man who is planted by the stream of living water. And then he's like, but not so the wicked. And there's some, there's some, you know, bad cultural stuff too, that if you, if you plant like that and the culture in the church echoes the surroundings of it and, and like brings yeah. them up through the roots, you're not going to get the fruit long-term anyway. Right. So yeah, I'm kind of interested in, in that idea. What is good? culture in churches what's negative culture what is yeah. what is it what is what's what's worth multiplying so any yeah. thoughts on and i've just thrown a whole load of stuff there but you know bounce back no yeah that's that's really good man no because what you're saying is 100 percent true we we talk all the time in our movement in south asia you know becoming disciples worth reproducing planting churches worth reproducing like mm. exactly what you're talking about because you want to multiply good things. But the bad, I mean, the bad news of that is bad things also multiply, like viruses multiply, cancer multiplies, like bad, bad stuff also multiplies. And so not every, yeah, weeds, weeds multiply, right? Like all sorts of things can multiply. So it's not, it's not that it's, it's, you know, multiplication by itself is not always good if you're multiplying the wrong things. Um, And so, um, I think honestly, a lot of times where we get where we get off of of where we need to be is, you know, when you're talking about culture, Anthony, and and what what type of culture we being planted in, and all those types of things. I think most of the time, when when we start getting off of and and outside of a true kingdom culture, a kingdom minded culture, and what I mean by kingdom is big K kingdom, biblical culture right? Like what does the Bible say we as believers should be looking like and acting like and, and, and treating people like? What does scripture say the church should actually look like? Mm-hmm. What, what are the principles around what true multiplication and leadership look like? 
I think the example you use from the brother in Uganda who brought up some of the difficulties in culture and some of the negatives of, of what was multiplying is, is we begin to drift towards more of this like consumeristic, come and see, I'm the main leader um, type of culture that's that's almost more about the leader than about the people. It's it's more about the pastor is about us. Um, it's it's more about what my little church can do and grow and be like, rather than the global church or the or God's kingdom multiplying in a city. And so when we start getting inward focused, when we start getting, you know, puffing one another up, lifting one another up, uh, you know, egotistically, where one where where the leader starts taking all of the credit for everything that's happening and he's the main man and everybody's looking up to him. I think that honestly is anti-biblical culture. Mm. And the what Jesus tried to build was a very different type of culture. It was a culture of, I mean you know, uh, releasing authority, having every single person in the church doing different types of work. Uh, he gave gifts to the body and that, and the, and that's for every single believer within the body to fulfill those works that, that, that he had given them. Um, it, it, it was really not about bringing people to some central location, but seeing the kingdom of God, like a mustard seed, slowly grow and take over all of the entire garden. Um, it, it was about love and grace and mercy multiplying in a society, forgiveness for mm. multiplying. It was, it was about, you know, servant leadership, washing the feet of his disciples and multiplying that type of attitude throughout a society. And when you start seeing the type of stuff you were talking about in, you know, Uganda or Africa or even some things that we see in India or, or even in Western Europe like that, we really start getting off track when when our culture no longer looks like the kingdom of God. Yeah. Um, and and so we've got to get back to, you know, taking a look deeply at Scripture, at what Jesus really you know, said for us to build and look at what type of culture he was creating. And that's the type of thing we want to multiply. Right. Yeah. And so I think we need to ask, you know, the question, you know, why are we actually doing what we're doing? What is the purpose behind it? Is it really about Jesus or is it really about us? Is it really about our fame or is it about his fame? Is it about our kingdom or his kingdom? You know, these are big questions that mm. get down to the root of that culture and that soil that we're, you know, trying to grow things in. Yeah, yeah. And I suppose the danger now, I, and I see it in myself, is that having been in the place where, you know, blame the devil or see the sovereignty of God in the whole of it. But, you know, when COVID hit and we hadn't, we couldn't meet online. Uh, sorry, except online, and people were weren't were no longer just coming along from a social perspective because they couldn't do. Um, you know, since then, now we've you know we've seen that again. We had our annual general meeting, and we looked at how many people were had been coming online, and then how many people are coming back. And we had a big shakeup. I think we've had lots of people who decided after COVID either I'm going to go to another church. Um, some of them have done that, or actually and i'll be honest i think for some people it was it was the social thing that was interrupted and then they kind of go well, you know what i'm rebuilding my social life and i don't think i need church for that anymore yep. so i'm I, you know i'm gonna do other things with the kids on sunday or whatever and the kids are into this now and and i think we've seen a lot a lot of that but what we are also seeing is lots of new people who are coming and i was just talking to my wife zoe about this earlier i'm just having conversations with these people who are coming and they are more serious about Jesus than oh, yeah. the conversations that we used to have before with people. In the main, the, the people who are coming now and the people who are coming for the first time, and some of them who are coming back, are like, um, they've, they've made a decision. And I think in many ways it's, it's pulling us closer to our brothers and sisters than we have been in the West in, in terms of, you know, we're making, you're making a choice, a countercultural choice more than ever to to be part of church and to be part of what God's doing and to be fully in and um, and not and I was I was uh, listen, I was reading a Kerry uh, Newhoff blog recently and he was saying you know if people aren't back now don't think they're going to come back they they've gone yeah. the people who have gone have gone right. and like you know live with that 
and then build from that rather than just wishing and praying that they're they're going to come back um yep. because because actually yeah say so they may have gone I'm, i i don't want anybody to be lost to the world but my my take on this the danger of it is is that you know i think what we lost i was praying about this earlier i think we've lost a whole bunch of elder brothers and that they were people who were on the farm maybe doing things for god but they were doing it like the elder brother was where they would see their yeah. their service as slavery and they wouldn't enjoy the party that they could have had at any point because yeah. the father to them was this this guy who was like um you know who didn't care for them like he wanted that they wanted yeah. them to care about them and so yeah. they, a lot of those guys have left the farm right now yeah. and the danger of that is they you know and i pray for that you know that some of these people are going to end up lost in the world again or, or lost in the world for the first time if they've been brought up on the farm. So I'm praying yeah. for that. I'm praying for a, a pattern interrupt and for revelation for people who who are like, well, church doesn't matter because yeah. you're going to see five years from now in the re- reproduced in your family and in your career choices and in your relational choices, what removing yourself from a place where you're regularly receiving wisdom from God and community and connection with other people, what that looks like, because you're taking yourself out of that and you're devoting yourself to the things of the world and if there's anybody who's listening to this right now and kind of wondering oh well do i even need church i'd say you know jesus says the, the you know the church he's building the gates of hell will not prevail against it and you've got to be part of that if you're a christian but what we're also saying i think is it doesn't I, what i don't want to do and the pressure is on to just rebuild what we used to have right and to say, okay, I mean, we want to take, what is it? And again, we can discuss this. We want to, you know, when I've had people say, coming up to me and saying, you know, it's all really good, but when, you know, we're not, we used to have, you know, more refreshments and coffee than, <laughs> and everything. And when's the coffee rota going to be right. built again and things like that. And I'm like, uh, oh dear. <laughs> you know, I'm not interested in rebuilding the coffee rota as part of our, discipleship kind of plan for where we're going and and again some people will leave church because they don't get the coffee they like right and i think you know so so i mean again more (laughs) more sort of uh, thoughts there around um what are we rebuilding back who's leaving church who's coming to church and again i know that you you you're in southeast asia but you're also you know, you're in the States as well. You're going there this week again. What are you seeing and yeah. hearing around around yeah. that sort of state of play for the church, Josh? Yeah, that's, I mean, that's really good, Anthony. Honestly, I think that the, the truth is, you know, like when people ask, you know, is, is church important for me as a believer or whatever? Like, do I need church? Here's and, and this may, this probably has a little bit more prophetic edge than what I would normally say. <laughs> I'm more, I'm more apostolic in nature, not as prophetic, but honestly, the Lord's been doing something in my heart about qu- like that type of question and, and that type of thing. And here's the sad truth. And, and I'm speaking right now, rather than the believer who's asking that question, I'm speaking right now to the leader who, who says, you know, like, who, who basically is saying, no, you've got to be a part of church. Okay. Here's, here's my, here's my word to them. I would say, and in, in light of everything, I would say a thousand percent, I agree wholeheartedly with what you said, that Jesus says that you need community to live this Christian life. We need one another to, to encourage one another, to help each other be disciples who are uh, bought in fully, who are on mission together, that are living this life out, that are, that are actually loving each other, serving one another. There are literally hundreds of one another statements in the New Testament You can't do that by yourself. You've Mm. got to be in community to live that out. Here's the word, though, that has probably a little bit more prophetic edge, okay? The question is, for church leaders, is what you had pre-COVID even close to that? Like, were you actually providing that type of environment for your disciples or was it like a social club that you were giving them that they could get anywhere else in the country with any other fraternity or any other club that they're a part of? 
Or were we actually building biblical kingdom community of disciples who were making disciples, encouraging, loving, and serving one another so that we can't imagine life without each other? Because my hunch is some churches were building that. Other churches had nothing even close to that. Yeah. And so what I would say is if we were building something else, you don't need that to be a true disciple of Jesus. What you do need, though, is the, is the biblical definition of what church and community is. That's what we need. Mm. And so a thousand percent, we don't need to be rebuilding the old thing that was not getting us what we desired, right? It's like, um, you know, Alan Herschel, we said all the time, we are perfectly designed to get the results that we are currently getting, right? Mm-hmm. So what we were getting in the old thing, whatever we had built before, were we getting sold out in love with Jesus, disciples that were loving each other, serving one another, shaking the cities in which they lived. Were we getting disciples like that or not? And if we weren't, then we cannot go back to the old thing that was not getting us the results we needed. We need to shift that to get the results we so desperately need in the world to shake the nations in which we live. And so please, like, I'll I'll beg the leaders listening. I know it's easy to just say, I'm going to build what we used to have. I know that's the easy route. That's the, that's the path of least resistance. But please know that if you weren't getting disciples out of it, that were literally transforming the cities in which they live and building community that was so vital that believers could not imagine life without it. If you weren't building something like that, Satan would love nothing more then they continue to have thousands of churches across the world that are not producing real disciples Yeah, because real disciples makes him shake in his boots, real disciples of Jesus. Like he, I mean, demons begin to shudder when guys like that and gals like that walk in the room. Mm. When you've got somebody sold out in love with Jesus, head over heels, that, that changes spiritual atmosphere wherever they go. And we need communities and environments that build stuff like that that build disciples like that. And so to the leader, I just want to ask, think about what you were getting and what type of results you were getting from the disciples in the old environment, in the old culture, in the old way of doing things. Were you getting anything like that? If the answer is yes, keep going, man. Keep building, keep praying through that. Continue to drive forward in that way. But if you weren't, Start praying and asking God, where where was I wrong? I mean, take the scripture as a as kind of a basis, as the blueprint. Mm. Where where was my culture off from this? Where was my leadership off from this? Where was my church off from this? And let's get everything back to that original blueprint that yeah. God gave us so that we can really see change happen in, in the world around us. Yeah, it's good, Josh. So I was um, just recently rereading um, The Great Omission, Dallas Willard. And uh, and he really is asking the question there in terms of, um, you know, we the church may have been good at getting or making Christians, but Jesus never said go and make Christians. And it's like, what are we doing that is making disciples? And from there, disciples who, who make disciples. Um, so... What what kind of, uh, you know, what for you, I suppose, and for the churches you're involved in, and, 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 I, know, and I know too that, um, you know, you're having an influence here in the UK, you're forming a group, I'm privileged to be a part of it just starting up, that are looking at church in different ways and asking different questions as we rebuild, saying, you know, what do we want to stop doing? What do we want to start doing? Now we've had this kind of pattern interrupt on the church, um, what was, must we resist in order to not just go back to, you know, business as usual, which wasn't working? And what do we do and, and in order to be able to build differently? But but what for you then, you know, dis- define disciple? Because here, again, I think where I'm at, you know, I'm, I can pick up any number of books that will still talk about disciple as just basically being, you know, you're just teaching people, read your Bible and pray and come right. to church. And that's a good disciple. Um, right. But I, you know, I know, you know, I know you mean more than that. It means more than that to you. So yeah. what kind of thing does it involve? What would, what would you say? Or what would effectively even not just what would Josh Howard say? What do you think Jesus would say a disciple looks like? 
Yeah, that's good, man. Um, for us, we, we kind of took, and this helped us a ton. We took a page out of Neil Cole's playbook, um, where in, in organic church, he wrote that one decision they made, and this decision has literally, I mean, it has changed so much of what we do, not only in South Asia, but also when we're working with churches in the UK or America or wherever, um, we decided several years ago, we were going to lower the bar of what it means to be church and raise the bar of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. Mm. And, and again, that came from Neil Cole several years ago that sometimes it's the, the opposite is true. What it means to be church is like, you've got to check all these boxes. You've got to have these types of leaders and elders, and mm. you've got to have, you know, this type of service and this type of music. And there's all these like hoops that you got to jump through to call it a church or a church mm. service. But then to be a disciple, it's like been historically over the last, you know, 50, hundred years, has been such a low bar where it's like, all you got to be to be a disciple, like you said, come to church, give some money and go home. Like that's, that's really it. You know, maybe read your Bible every now and then, or do a three minute devotion or something. And it's like, and that's all it means really to be a disciple. But when we see Jesus, like you mentioned all throughout the new Testament, him and his disciples, what they expected of a disciple and what they expected of people who called themselves disciples. I mean, the bar was so high, man, like Jesus over and over again, he would say crazy things, man, that no preacher today is saying to their church members. I mean, he'd be saying like, listen, if you don't hate your mother, father, sister, brother, all your family, you're not worthy of following me. Now he didn't mean hate obviously, but, but you know what? Like, like you need to love me so much more than everything else yeah. that you are willing to give up everything to follow me, right? Like everything. Mm. If you put your hand to the plow and even look back, you're not worthy of following me. Yeah. Like, I mean, he, he told, you know, the rich young ruler to sell everything he had, give it to the poor and follow him. Like mm. basically Jesus is looking for people that are a hundred percent devoted willing to give up anything else yeah. in yeah. service to him. That's a disciple. Like we talk a lot about that. Anthony is that's like extreme followers of Christ or yeah, something. Yeah. And for Jesus, that was the norm, man. Well, that was like the base. Well, the thing for me, as I read it now, is only, this has become something I've seen recently. And I think it maybe is to do with this shaking that's gone on in the Western world out of, out of our comfort. We've been a rich young ruler in many ways. And we've been thinking, how do I add eternal life on to my good life. And you know, that's the, the basis on which many people have approached Jesus is, I think yeah. I'm a good person and I'm living I know, I'm living the good life, but how do I make sure it's eternal too? How do I get yeah. that thrown in? And then Jesus comes along with a radical, it, it seems a radical um, you know, challenge and call. And for him specifically, it was to do with money, but it could be about any kind of things. It could be you know, a challenge on people with regard to their, their sexual choices or with regard to anything that is their devotion to their career, yeah. their, you know, their life plan. And he says, you know, just ditch that and follow me. And what strikes me is Jesus never kind of spoke about that as being like anything but a great deal for the person. It wasn't like, you know, yeah. in saying pick up your cross and follow me. And, and like Peter comes and says, Lord, we've given up everything to follow you. And, and Jesus yeah. is like, so? He's like, you know, it's like the guy hanging, he's hanging onto a penny because he, you know, when he's being offered a billion, you know, yeah. it's like, you know, Jesus has, has no, you know, he gets it, what we don't get, that whatever yeah. we give up, we're going to one day go, great deal. That was so worth it. That was yeah. the best trade ever. That I I didn't try and hold on to my life because then I would lose it. But I I got life when I met Jesus like I'd never had before. And I want other people to make the same thing. And I think again yeah. for church leaders, I'd say the manner in which we present this to people is don't make take up your cross mean misery. Yeah. It, it, it's hard enough anyway, following Jesus, and it will be. And we, we're not yeah. staying, away, staying away from that. But what we're saying is actually, ultimately, it's the only way that we're going to live a glorious life, whether or not, and we will, but I was very clear, go through suffering and hardships and hard times. And again, some of the guys that I know you work with, and you know, I've spent a brief time in India, but I've seen the, 
the sacrifice, the, the martyrdom, the, the laying down of life that goes on across some of these places in the name of Jesus. And, and they, like the church in Acts, are counting it all joy. They're not like, you know, they're counting themselves worthy to suffer in the name of Jesus. And that's been so alien to us. But I, I, I can't help believe in some ways some of what we're going through. And I think, you know, the COVID and rumors of wars and all that. I'm, you know, I don't know, but I think that, that we need to be ready for more shaking and more hardship. And, and that yep. what God's doing right now is getting us untangled from the things of the world yep. more and more. And yeah, uh, absolutely. Again, we don't want to just repeat that. I don't want church to be the safe place. Right. I want it to be the place that's dangerous where we yeah. are equipping people to go and and make a, a, a greater difference in a world, et cetera, and to shine for that. So again, some yeah. more what thoughts, lessons from you in terms of what you're seeing for that. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, I mean, you know, I, I kind of hinted at this earlier, but, you know, man, our enemy doesn't care if we're getting into a building once a week for an hour and singing some songs and going home. That doesn't, that doesn't worry him. He's mm. like, go ahead, sing your songs. As long as you don't come out into my world and try to mess anything up. Like just sing songs, go home, read your little Bible. I don't care, man. Like that's what the enemy's saying. I don't care. But when you start taking what this book says mm. and you start living that out every day of your life in the world, in the marketplace, in your business, in your school, you start loving people like that. You start serving people like that. You start proclaiming the kingdom of God like that. Like that's what, that's what disciples do, man. You know, mm. and for so often we basically said like, you know, my definition of a believer is, you know, as long as I go to church and maybe do a few things throughout the week, I'm good. Like it's, that's what God expects of me. You think of the rich young ruler, like what we were just talking about. I mean, when I see him, man, he was, this wasn't a casual conversation he had. Mm. He didn't walk up to Jesus and say, Hey, what's up, man. Could you give me a few pointers on how to live a better life? It literally says that he ran and dropped to his knees before Jesus. Mm. He desperately knew in his heart mm. that something was missing that he desperately needed. And he knew Jesus was the answer to the question that he had. Mm. He went to the right place. He had the right heart. He was ready to give up anything except for one thing. <laughs> and Jesus knew what that one thing was. I guarantee, Anthony, if Jesus would have asked him for anything else that day, Mm. He would have said yes, anything. Yeah. But he picked the one thing that, that, that had a grip on this man's soul, the one idol that was still sitting upon his heart, the one mm. lowercase g God that this guy still had that he was worshiping. Mm. And God and, and Jesus was going after that idol. He was going after who was on the throne of his heart, what was on the throne of his heart. And he was going after that because Jesus will not share the throne. Yeah, We love to talk about Jesus as Savior. We don't like talking about him as king, but mm -hmm. he is king and he will not share. Mm -hmm. He's not going to share the throne of our hearts, right? Yeah. And so we've, we've got to be disciples that are willing to rip everything else off the throne of our heart so that Jesus can sit as the one and true Lord and King of our lives. Yeah. And that's where, that's where discipleship begins. It's, we act like it ends there. Yeah. We act like at the end of our lives, Life, that's the way the life we're going to live. Jesus is like demanding that at the beginning. Like oh, I want yeah. all of you or yeah, nothing. Yeah. Why would you enjoy a heaven where it's all about Jesus? If you're not going to live a life here, that's all about Jesus. hundred percent. Like, this is it. It's like, well, this is that preparation. Interesting potential biblical thought about the rich young ruler, which I read in a couple of places. And I'm, I don't know whether or not it's true, but I think if it was true, it'd be so cool. And maybe when we get to heaven, we're going to find out by asking him. But some people have said that that rich young ruler was actually Mark, that it actually mm. was. That it was him. He's kind of writing himself into the story, but he doesn't ever say himself in the story. He didn't give his name. And then later on, when they come to arrest Jesus, he's the guy, the young man who ran away and, and even dropped, you know, he ran away like naked because he, he mm. even dropped his, his, his cloak. So you have this guy who basically comes to Jesus with everything and walks away sad. But then, you know, maybe by the grace of God ends up following and following and following. And he's there at the, he's there at the arrest of Jesus. And he, by that time, he's literally not even got a stitch by the yeah. time he, that's the way that the path of discipleship of following to the cross takes him. Wow. 
had that he yeah. loses he literally does lose everything in following Jesus. Yeah, um, right. And then we know that you know through Paul, Barnabas, the, through others, he gets he, and through um, Peter, who you know they reckon yeah. that that Peter probably spoke to Mark and gave him a lot of the the eyewitness details that would have been you know in place yeah. for him writing his gospel, which is the key gospel that the other two, well, Mark, Matthew and Luke, yeah. saw all of that. So he's he gets invited actually, and isn't that amazing? I can just see it, the grace of God that this guy who who struggled to to give it up and take up his cross and follow Jesus ends up, you know, coming and doing yeah. it and coming good in the end and being, you know, a missionary yeah. and a church planter and getting yeah. to write the, the gospel, you know, which is like, amazing. Yeah. yeah. That's incredible. And if that's, and, and if that is true, that's incredible. I mean, imagine though, imagine though, if it wasn't true. Okay. Mm-hmm. What, let's say, let's say the rich young ruler, somebody else, it'd be amazing if it's Mark, let's say it's somebody else. Imagine what he missed out on. Like oh, you yeah. said earlier, yeah. like, like, I mean, the, Jesus was literally inviting him to be like Peter, James, John. He was inviting him in mm. to be one of those inner circle disciples. Yeah. I mean, this guy would have seen the blind see. He would have seen the lame walk. He would have like been able to cast out demons, raise the dead, all these amazing things mm. that his wealth, he could have never purchased anything like that. Mm. Like this journey with Jesus is the most incredible, amazing thing in the world. And yeah, he would have given up riches, but in order, I mean, giving up that to gain that type of life and experience, like you said, I mean, you're, you're, you're giving up so comparatively speaking eternally, so little to gain so much in this life with Jesus. I mean, there, when I, when we go throughout India or Sri Lanka, Anthony, and the stuff that we see that God is still doing today, like not 2000 years ago, but still doing, I, I, there have been so many times that I've gone back to the place that I've been staying out after a day of, you know, outreach or evangelism or whatever. And we see God moving in miraculous book of acts ways. Mm. And I sit down and begin to weep and ask God, like, like, there is nothing else in the world I'd rather do than this. Like, where would I rather be than on the front lines of your kingdom spreading and seeing lives transformed before my eyes? Where else would I want to be in this world? What else would I want to be doing? Yeah. Like, there's nothing, there's no greater joy, which is why Jesus says, like, or well, not Jesus, but the writer of Hebrews says that he for the joy set before him mm. endured the cross, scorning its shame and sitting down at the right hand of God. Why did, it was because of like the joy before him. He knew that what he was giving up and what he was enduring, what came after that was so much better and so much greater than he could ever imagine yeah. that he endured the cross. He, he, he endured everything because of the greater thing that he was getting at the other side. Right. Yeah. And so whatever we give up, man, if we actually live as true disciples, what we're going to see happen in our cities and our families on the streets around us and the church around us is going to be so much greater that, I mean, Mm. there's no, there's nothing else, man. We want to, you know, we want to do. Yeah. So it's good. Set a high bar on discipleship. That's what you said. And I think, you know, however high it's been, it's Jesus is going to raise it higher. However, you know, he's <laughs> right. like, you know, whatever that idol is, whatever that anything else is the first love. And, 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 you know, I, again, I've been to, you know, I say when I went to India, I remember going into just having the privilege to be going into a place where they'd never even heard the name of Jesus before. I was like, yep. wow. And getting to see people hearing the good news and receiving it like that. But, you know, I suppose where we are going back to where I am, we have people who, who use the name of Jesus as a swear word. And, and at the same time, they, you know, they might be, they, the, the danger for them is that they are gaining the whole world, but losing their soul. And I'd yep. say to, again, to, to fellow leaders, um, that however great somebody's life looks, however much money they're making and whether they feel like they're protected in some way from the, the problems of the world because they've got a big bank account or you meet that person and as a church leader you know maybe we're not on the same money as other people in our churches or even in our in, in or something like that and you can kind of feel like you know I've, I've been ministered in places where everybody in the church was way more wealthy than me and had you know amazing you know stuff like that and you could sort of feel like well they've got everything um but you know i i, I could stand before elon musk 
um, Jeff Bezos, anybody, and say, you know, if you haven't got Jesus, then I don't, I don't envy anything. I don't yeah. want, you know, I don't, I don't need what you can't keep. Yeah. Um, I want, I want what, you know, him that I can't lose. And, and again, I think yeah. it's time for us to kind of get into that, recognize the, the, the precious invitation it is. It, it's not kind of, oh, please, could you come and help out on Sunday? Um, yeah. I know you're very busy and you've got lots of other things too, but if you could just <laughs> spare, you know, three minutes once every six weeks because we really need, and it's like, no, let's, let's, let's preach the high bar. And people let's, are bored with that, Anthony. People are so bored with that. Like yeah. every believer I've talked to, man, they're like, many of them are saying, especially the ones that have gotten involved in movement or church plants or multiplication or whatever, yeah. almost all of them say, I was sitting in a pew and for weeks and weeks, I was thinking there's got to be more to the Christian life than this. There has to be more than this. Mm -hmm. And what do we offer them usually? It's like, hey, can you come and serve and hand out, you know, bulletins at the front door? Or, hey, can you come shake some hands at the front door? Mm -hmm. And we have these incredible people, men and women that are leaders in the business world. Mm -hmm. And we're like, hey, can you come watch two-year-olds for an hour on Sunday? And it's like, don't you have anything more for me to do in the kingdom? You know, like, and not saying that that's bad. We need people doing those things. But Mm -hmm. like, we just keep the bar so low mm. and we invite them into so little mm. and they know there's, there's gotta be more to the Christian life than just that. So there, there's gotta be more that Jesus is calling us into. Yeah. So uh, on a previous launch, we had Emma Stark, who is a fiery, mighty prophetic woman of God who came and, uh, and spoke and she's become a good friend of ours. And uh, I just saw on YouTube the other day that she did a prophecy yeah, she's just over in the states actually but she, she wasn't and she and it really stood out it was like she prophesied the the coming church split and you know wow. she said you know it takes no i take no pleasure in saying this but ultimately what she talked about was there's gonna you know after the shaking and through the shaking there's coming a great divide and the you know there's there's and you know, and often it isn't. It's not. It isn't confined to dominations, but let's sharpen it in terms of focus and say it can be that you could have very liberal, you know, um, denominational thing that's tied to the past and tied to the state, tied to politics, tied to um, you know political correctness or whatever you want to call these different kinds of things. Yeah, and like that is an old wineskin, and I right. think there's some really good people who is still praying that God's going to pour out lots of new wine into an old wineskin. Yeah. And I, I don't, I don't know when it's happened, when it will have happened, but I believe it is now happening. That, yeah. that is, that is coming. And in the end, um, this setting a high bar for me is key because what we got to do is say, we, you know, we're not even, we don't even want to be part of winning at that old game anymore. Yeah. It's like that's that's a, a that's a game that if we become the biggest in in the city and we have more people coming to mind than ever and, and etc. And again, that's hard because we want to we still want to gather, we still want things to happen on a Sunday, etc. But at the same time, we don't want to just go back to what was. And um, yeah, so I, I see as you've said it, it's really sharpened it for me. Thank you. That that this the call is not come to church. The call is be a disciple who makes disciples and we're here to equip you. Amen. Yeah. And call yeah, you like, that. Your heritage, yeah, it's your heritage, it's your inheritance. We're not going to, we're not going to give you less than your, than all that God wants you, you to have. Right. It's like that old parable, Anthony, or the, the old adage about, you know, working so hard to climb this massive ladder and then realizing it was on the wrong wall oh. <laughs> when you get to the top. And yeah. it's like, man, so many of us as church leaders, have been, like you said, trying to win a game or trying to climb a ladder that's actually not even positions on on the right wall. Mm. And we've got to rethink what is true kingdom success? Like what is success in God's kingdom? What does it actually look like? And, you know, many, I think a lot of what God deems success is going to be so much different than what traditionally church leaders have said is successful. Like building the best, biggest church Mm. is not anymore. What, what is going to actually create massive kingdom impacts in, in a city or in a nation. Um, And, and so we have to rethink if, if God's pouring out new wine, 
like you said, there's got to be new wineskins that are created. There's got to be different vehicles that are used to get to the destinations we long to get to. Mm. Um, and, and it's, it's going to take a rethinking of what success looks like. Like I, I use an analogy all the time when we're talking about movement stuff, you know, like if I wanted to, if I wanted to go, I'm in India right now. If I wanted to go from India and visit my family in America, if that was my goal, if that was the destination I needed to get to, there are many vehicles that I could use to get there. Mm. A motorcycle is not one of them. A bus isn't one of them. I can't drive there. Uh, it's going to take a plane or a boat to get me from here to the mm. United States to see my family. And I think for so long, we've been using vehicles that their function and their purpose were never designed to get us to the destination that God has for us. So if we're going to see, for example, the great commission completed in our lifetime, mm. if we're going to see the final task that God gave us finished, the vehicles we've been using for so long aren't designed to get us there right now. Like we, we have changed them and, and shifted them in such a way where they really can't get us to that destination. Yeah. It's like we're trying to take a motorcycle to the United States from England and it's not going to work. We've mm. got to have different vehicles. And that's, I mean, that's basically a wineskin. That's what it is. We've got to have different vehicles and systems and structures in order to hold this new thing God is doing. We've yeah. got to have new vehicles that are going to get us there. And we've got to think about what is success? What are the vehicles we need to use that are actually going to see the world transform with the gospel? Mm. What are the things we've got to do differently in order to get us to the final destination that God has for us, right? Yeah. And those are big. I like that. I like that analogy. I think too that, you know, I'll add to it that sometimes as leaders, what we can feel then is that people want us to get on that motorbike and just rev it harder because right. that will then it'll do it. Or, you know, they can kind of make us feel, or you could even say like, you know, you could feel like uh, faith means that I, I build a ramp and try and jump across and England to right. America. Or, or build a bigger bus that can hold yeah, yeah, thousands yeah. of people. Let's get a big bus to go. <laughs> yeah. But none of those things, they're not, I say, it's, we got to look at the, the vehicles. That's a good, that's a good, good analogy. Appreciate that. So we're looking forward to you joining us. In, I think in May, we're not quite got the dates nailed down yet, but you and a bunch of other guys are going to come here to Manchester. We do this thing called Catalyst Community through new thing and that is really a two three day um coaching with with accountability because a lot of the time what we get is information but nobody's you know and, and i know that the way catalyst community works because we, we use them here is you know you go for the big dream but then you kind of go okay so what's it going to look like and 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 you know what will it look like where you are so how are you going to action this and you know it's a high encouragement but a high challenge high vision environment and so you know we have festival manchester happening here later in the year we're going to need you know we believe more churches we don't want to just make christians through this incredible outreach opportunity that's going to happen here in the city we want the to be disciples who make disciples we want there to be churches that make that plant churches we want some of the existing churches to plant churches we want to plant new churches that be able to contain and not contain the lease these disciples as well so uh could you pray for that for us josh as we as we wrap up um for now it's been a lot of fun for me as always to connect with you and um yeah so thanks for being our guest on on the future church podcast could you just pray into whatever you want to pray into but you know let's yeah. uh I, I so appreciate you looking forward to seeing you soon in may and later in the year again in uh for launch yeah absolutely i think no it's an honor brother thank you so much yeah, let's uh, let's pray into this together. Mm. Jesus, you're just so good. Your vision is massive. Your heart is even bigger. Your grace is deeper and wider than we even think it is. Your desire to seek and save the lost is greater than any of us combined. And this is your heartbeat. This is what you long to do. And so, Father, Anthony and I are joining together right now to just pray that you would raise up an army of men and women that are true disciples, 
that are head over heels in love with you, that have dedicated themselves 110% to your cause, to your vision, to your heart, Mm. that there would be men and women raised up all over the world that are no longer about them, that are no longer about their little K kingdoms, but about your big K kingdom, that they're laying down their kingdoms, Mm. their, their churches, their visions, their dreams, and picking up your dream for the world, picking up your vision for their city, and that they are, they would be joining you in this great task of seeing true disciples made and multiplied all over the world. And so, Father, we ask that you would awaken the church to her true potential, that you would awaken men and women in, in churches all over the world right now uh, in order to long for you like they've never longed for you before. Father, help us to hunger for you like we hunger for food. Help us to thirst for you like we thirst for water. Holy Spirit, fill us again with a longing and a desire that can never be stopped and can never be quenched. Light us on fire with a fire that can never be put out, that will bring passion and excitement and vision deep into our bones that we can't hold in any longer. God, we need you to move in the nations in which we live. We need you to move in the nations in which we serve. And there are so many people across the world, Father, that are sitting around right now asking, is there more? There's got to be more to this Christian life. And we know the answer is yes. Mm. And so, Holy Spirit, we ask that you would pour out more onto the church. Bring creative genius to leaders all over the world to create those new wineskins, to create those new vehicles that would take the church to the destination that you have called her to, to seeing the Great Commission completed in our lifetime. Father, we pray all over the United Kingdom right now that men and women would be raised up to shake the nation. God, you brought so many global, incredible revivals out of England. Men and women that were just so dedicated and on fire in prayer for you that it mm. that it awakened churches and leaders all over the world based upon what they did and how they loved you. And we pray for that again. We pray mm. for a fresh awakening, a fresh fire, God, from heaven. We pray for fresh revival to break out mm. so that churches would wake up to their true potential and that men and women across the world would wake up to that potential and they would begin to live as true disciples. Help us, Father, to be disciples worth reproducing. Help us to be men and women that if if we multiplied throughout our city, the city would be changed forever. Help us to pray like that, to live like that, to love like that. Help us more and more, Jesus, to look like you, talk like you, walk like you, love like you, sacrifice like you, speak like you. Oh, we love you, Jesus, and we're so grateful. And we ask that you would move with power in the world and that a fresh awakening would come in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 And I just get a sense that Joshua's praying, maybe this is just for like one specific person, one leader listening to this, that I feel the Lord would say to somebody, uh, don't, don't chase the rich young ruler. Yeah. Don't, don't don't try and now accommodate uh, to that person's preference. Don't try and um, shape what Jesus offers. Don't lower the bar yeah. for that person because they're not going to be satisfied with even with a less than a full on sacrifice anyway. It's just going to be another thing that leaves them disillusioned and empty. And, yeah miserable so um so when we are facing rich young rulers right now who are coming and and are demanding um just can i how do i just add jesus on um that anybody asking that question is not going to be worth multiplying um so instead be bold and 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 raise the bar raise the cross as the bar yeah as Jesus would do, and uh, and say, you've got to lose your life. And the seed, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains a single seed. But if it dies, it produces much fruit. And and I pray, Lord, that you'd give us the courage um, to be able to challenge people to live even more fully for you, whatever that looks like. Uh, in this life, this short life that we get, Lord, and, uh, and however that looks, because, Lord, we know that 
what we get from you is is going to be so much greater and more glorious that you do have the crown of life in store for us, Lord. Help us, Lord, to live with our eye on that goal and that prize. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Wonderful. Thank you, my friend. It's been wonderful to have you on the Future Church podcast. Anybody listening, why don't you subscribe, share, tell other people if this has been an encouragement to you and uh, help us to be able to let other people know um, about this. We've got some fantastic guests that we're already lining up. Um, we took a little bit of a break while I was we were involved in some other projects, but um, now we're back on it and we're going to be getting some amazing people that we're going to be speaking to. Um, that's really going to help you in your life, in your love for Jesus and in your leadership. So God bless you. Thanks everybody for listening. And uh, thank you to Josh as always. Thanks for listening to the Future Church Podcast. If you enjoyed this conversation, please consider subscribing, leaving a review, listen back with your team and share it. Further thoughts and resources can be found at antonydelaney.com.